Welcome to the church family that is lifting lives through living love, inspiring hope, filling with faith, and transforming our world. These recorded messages are made available so that you might have additional opportunities to stay connected with us, and then you might learn and grow in your faith. God bless you as you hear the word today. And now, the message. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that all inclination of the thoughts in the human heart the only with only was evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made the human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that was on and that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and, and all the wild animals. All those came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will life be destroyed by waters of a flood. Never again will a flood, will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is a sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and, and, the, and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over to, the, over to earth, earth the rain, and a rain, over, over to the earth and a rainbow, and the rainbow appears in the clouds. I will remember the, my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become um, a flood to destroy all life. Whenever a rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on earth. So God said to Noah, this is a sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on earth. Will you pray with me? Good and gracious God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for the opportunity to gather and worship. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts joined together in love of you be acceptable in your sight. Amen. So this is week three of our series beginnings. For the past two weeks, we've looked at the creation stories found in the book of Genesis. Two weeks ago, Pastor Dave encouraged us to temporarily suspend debates about creation versus evolution and focus instead on what this story says about who we are and who God is. We were also asked to sit in the wonder that we are created by God and fashioned in God's image to be God's image bearers. During the first six days of creation, we saw God making space for the emergence of new possibilities. We were introduced to a God that is collaborative, not commanding. A God who calls humanity into joyful obedience with the words, let there be. This God gets down and dirty. He gets in the muck with humanity when he declares, let us make, and sculpts Adam from the dirt of the earth with his own mud slathered hands. Pastor Day pointed out that this act is intimate and personal. I would add that this act is also relational. Then this relational, personal, intimate, and compassionate God says, be fruitful 
and multiply, giving humanity the authority, the responsibility to care for creation in ways that nurture and honor the wonder of nature and support nature's flourishing. Last week, our story continued with a close-up look at the human creatures, Adam and Eve. We saw God breathe life into Adam and fashion Eve out of a rib in Adam's side. This seems to me a punctuation of the fact that humans need each other and God in relationship. God creates a beautiful garden where life can flourish with ease. God gives Adam and Eve permission to eat almost everything in the garden. Up until now, God has been completely collaborative, but after giving humans access to every good thing, God does give one command. He sets a limit, he creates a boundary. You know the story. There's the one tree in the middle of the garden whose fruit they must not eat. Sounds easy, right? But then enters the one serpent who uses insinuation and cleverness to twist God's command and convince Eve to eat the forbidden fruit. Just like that, the boundary is breached and sin is introduced. And while God must have been heartbroken, he doesn't destroy creation or give up on his creatures. God remains compassionate and imposes a consequence for sin. You probably remember that scripture text. You probably remember that the scripture texts we're using in worship are the same texts that our children are learning about when they leave for children's church. The problem, well not problem, the challenge with the Holy Moly curriculum is that it takes on these huge swaths of scripture. We ended in Genesis 3 last week and we pick up this week in Genesis 6. If you're wondering, no, we are not going to tackle six chapters of Genesis this morning. But I do wanna give you a quick synopsis of what happened in chapters four and five before we get to six. Chapter four is the familiar story of Cain and Abel. It's filled with jealousy, coveting, murder, lies, and shame. But we won't unpack that today. I only want to point out that once again, we see God as heartbroken, but remaining steadfastly compassionate with his creation as demonstrated by this conversation between Cain and the Lord. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. But then God imposes a consequence for sin. But the Lord said to Cain, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. God inflicted a consequence, but God did not give up on Cain. Chapter five of Genesis covers the genealogy of Adam through Noah. 10 generations which span 1,656 years from the beginning in the Garden of Eden until the flood. And in chapter six, we finally get to the story of Noah and the flood. Now, when you hear Noah's Ark, what picture comes to mind? Is it something like this? 
This is a great image to introduce our children to a gracious and merciful God who calls, saves, protects, redeems, and delivers. This is the first image we want our children to learn about God. But I hope we're ready to dig a little deeper this morning and sit with the both and God, because the God who is gracious and merciful and full of compassion for God's creation is the same God who imposes consequences for sinful behavior. It is this both and God that said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. Maybe a more spiritually mature image of Noah's Ark looks a little like this. Thomas Slager said, the God who saves is the God who floods. The God who delivers is the same God that destroys. If we choose to only see above the water, we diminish God's justice. If we only tell the story below the water, we diminish God's grace and mercy. Between the time of the original creation and the flood, humanity had trespassed across every boundary that God had established in the beginning. Violence had corrupted the creation that God called very good. The proper relationship between heaven and earth had been distorted. Animals who were created to be herbivores in nature rebelled against and preyed upon their human caretakers. Violence had contaminated the earth. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil in all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. You see, God was deeply grieved by the ways his creatures had ruined creation. Can you imagine the heartbreak God must have felt? This very good thing in ruins. Grief stricken over the ruined original. God resolved to destroy the destroyers. God decided to drown the earth and all that breathed in it in watery chaos. This is what the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them animals and birds and creatures that move along the ground, for I regret I have made them. But Noah found favor with the Lord. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now God instructs Noah on how to build the ark, and Noah gets to work. Some accounts say it took 20 to 40 years to finish the ark. But when it was finished, God told Noah what to bring onto the ark and advised him to board and wait for the flood. While we never hear Noah speak, we do see the scriptures say, Noah did everything just as God has commanded him. So the rains came, 40 days and 40 nights. The earth was covered with water for 150 days. In the seventh month of the voyage, the ark comes to rest on Mount Ararat. On the 10th month, the tops of the mountains begin to peek through from the water. Then another 40 days, then seven days more, and finally, the God who had been silent for this entire journey speaks to Noah and gives him permission to come off the ark. The first thing Noah does when he disembarks from the ark is build an altar to the Lord. 
Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. Once again, God is saying to humanity, be fruitful. This story that is so suggestive of everything that is the worst part of human nature and is so tragic in so many ways ends with good news. God's compassion for humanity is immovable. So much so that God enters into a covenant with us. God said, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you. A covenant for all generations to come. I have set a rainbow in the clouds and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. This covenant is multi-generational. It is made for all of creation. The God revealed in these texts is willing to be adaptable. This God is still touched deeply by creation. This God is willing to accept hurt and keep hope alive. Sometimes we're told that redemption requires us to fit ourselves into an immovable God. The God of this covenant is willing to change. The God of this covenant is willing to change so that he never has to give up hope on creation. This God made space for the emergence of new possibilities. This God, our God, keeps the future open when humanity threatens to close it off by unlimited repeat offenses. God takes this risk because God is touched by our suffering. I wanna share one story and we'll be finished for the morning. I do some work with folks who are recovering from addiction to opioids. Just last week, I met a woman who was vibrant and outgoing. If I hadn't heard her story, I'd have no idea what her life had been like. She'd been in active addiction since she was 13 and she'd used heroin from age 13 to age 33. In 2005, she was high and she fell 20 feet. She broke her back and her wrist, but she was so caught up in the claws of addiction, she didn't seek help, she stayed out on the streets. She weighed 70 pounds, and at that point, her family was preparing her funeral. She had resigned herself to dying. She said, she even said, it's my destiny to die from addiction. For a minute, she drifted off, and with some retrospect, she said, addiction is the only disease that convinces you that you don't have a disease. It's cunning, baffling, and powerful. Then she continued, I was hanging out in the freezing cold and I suddenly had a moment of sanity. It was like my head and my heart both suddenly were on the exact same page and I thought, what are you doing? This isn't good. She had been to 11 different rehab programs before that day, but that day was different. She finally said, I don't have a home, I haven't had one for four years, I'm dying and I need help. She credits a social worker who really fought for her as a big reason for her sobriety. She remembered, people would treat me badly. To them, I was just a junkie. But my social worker told me, we're going to fight really hard for you. I need you to fight hard for you. She sent me to detox. I started going to meetings and hanging out with girls in the recovery house. Now, I'm going to college to get my associate degree in social work. I don't really know what else that I can do except work in the recovery field. 
She ended by saying, I would say to anyone who thinks they have a problem, there is hope. Don't give up. You are loved. You are somebody. Whether or not you have a problem today, every one of us has known some sort of chaos in our lives. Damaged relationships, divorce, impatience, a situation at work, a lack of resources. To see and know God as the one who remembers us, individually and corporately, with love and forgiveness in the midst of all our chaos, in the midst of our pain and suffering, is to experience deliverance, redemption, and new beginnings. If you only remember one thing from this morning, know that God's compassion is immovable and that God will never forget you.